Find out which guests are being featured this week. Read our network press releases and read the blog posts from your favorite hosts. Go to iradioblog.com today. Powered by the Voice America Talk Radio Network. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. In order to thrive in today's competitive business market, you need to constantly adapt to change. In other words, reinvent yourself and your company. Welcome to Business Reinvention with host Nancy Lynn. This hour will have you listening to and thinking like the successful business leaders of today. Now, here is your host, Nancy Lynn. Hi, I'm Nancy Lin. Welcome to Business Reinvention Show, where we bring you thought-provoking ideas from different industries so that you can connect the dots and stay innovative and competitive. Well, this might get your attention. Um, every eight seconds, a new baby is born somewhere in the world. And that means by 2050, the world population could reach 9 billion, up from 7 billion at the current level. So are we going to have enough food and water for everyone? Well, some experts have suggested that we would have to increase food production by 70 to 100% in order to meet the needs of the growing population. That sounds very daunting. But big challenges always instigate new innovation. And a group of pioneers actually think we can turn deserts into farmland based on a sustainable model. So while most of us see limitations when we think of deserts, Visionary leaders see opportunities, and they want to challenge the largest hot desert in the world, and they created the Sahara Forest Project to tackle these issues. Well, the implication can be huge because deserts make up one-third of land surface on this planet. So let's find out more about the project and how it's been done. And joining us today is Joaquin Hoye, the CEO of the Sahara, uh, excuse me, the Sahara Forest Project. Mr. Hoye, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Nancy. Hi. Um, can I go with uh, Joaquin? That's perfectly fine, yes. Thank you, Joachim, um, and thank you so much for being with us today. Um, so can you tell us a little bit more about the genesis of this project, which sounds very exciting? Yes, I will be happy to. Uh, the Sahara Forest Project is an innovative new approach to tackling some of the toughest challenges out there. And, and you mentioned some of them earlier. Uh, the, the, it's a clear need to increase our food production towards 2050, uh, it's, we, we see that there is an increasing rate of desertification. We all know about the chances of, of global warming. And, and, and often people react either by, by launching doomsday prophecies or turning away from the problem. Um, but we think that by looking at all these problems together, that's when we can find the kind of answers we need for the future because these problems are interlinked. And therefore, we also believe that the answers need to be interlinked. And that was a starting point for uh, the Sahara Forest Project. 
So tell us a little bit more about what you mean by we. Who decided that you should all go come together to figure out um, a solution to this big challenge? Well, the Arnold Forest Project is, is what would you, you would call uh, put together from quite a diverse group of people. In the Arnold Forest Project, you have architects, you have engineers, you have biologists. One of our owners is an environmental organization called Bologna. So, so it's a quite diverse group of people that, that all in their fields saw the need for more integrated and more innovative approaches and also approaches that are inspired by nature. We should remember that nature has been tackling uh, challenges of resource efficiency for 3.5 billion years. There are some pretty good R&D processes going on there, and, and we try to learn from that. That's very interesting because, you know, they always say the more diverse the team is, the more innovative um, the outcome will be. Uh, so I'm curious because it sounds very audacious. And I'm curious why starting with the largest and hottest desert in the world? Uh, why not run a trial first in a smaller desert? Well, it's the Sahara Forest Project can be, can be applied to, to many desert regions and Sahara is, of course, a symbol. It's 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 a desert that we all know. It's it's not always been as it is today. It's been uh, revegetated many parts of it, but it also presents us with some of the toughest conditions uh, that we could be challenged with, and that's a good place to start. Mm, yeah, if you could do it there, you could do it anywhere, like you said. Um, so most of us never seen it. So help us visualize it, what your team has set up in the desert so far, what's there right now? Well, uh, the first facility uh, was uh, became operational uh, just about a year ago. And in that facility, you have uh, three core technologies. So the first one is seawater-cooled greenhouses. So that's greenhouses that utilizes salt water for cooling and also for production of some fresh water so that you can grow traditional crops in a desert environment. Then you also have solar energy solutions, such as concentrated solar power, where you use reflective surfaces to concentrate the heat from the sun uh, to produce a superheated steam to drive a conventional turbine for power production or for desalination. And then you have a set of technologies for establishing vegetation also in the outside environment in the desert, such as hedges with uh, where we evaporate seawater to create a little more shade, a little more cooling and, uh, and a little more humidity so that we can vegetate the desert areas. And adding to that, we also have the region's largest uh, facility for cultivation of algae. Algae is an exciting new source of biomass. And we have facilities for cultivation of what you call halophytes, that's plants that can tolerate or even prefer uh, to grow in salt water. And we have also facilities for production of salt. So, so it's a wide variety of technologies. They're all interlinked through this salt water infrastructure. Well, it sounds like quite an operation right there. Um, so what will it look like in the future? Well, that, that re- remains to be seen. But, but for us, it's, it's always a target to go for these closed-loop systems, we want to take what we have enough of, like sunlight, uh, like seawater, like desert areas and CO2, 
to produce what we need more of, sustainably produced food, uh, fresh water, and, and renewable energy. But the core components uh, will remain the same, and that's the solar energy, the, the saltwater greenhouses, and the revegetation of desert areas. Mm. So some people in the audience, uh, many of them are in the U.S., they may wonder, so how is this different from what Americans have done with the Arizona deserts where we created many cities with water irrigation and even some vegetation? Um, Tell us how is this different in terms of your approach and objective compared to other desert cities that we have created Right. Yeah, it's it's very true that that uh, it's a long tradition in human population for for transporting water to places where there is little. Uh, the, the Romans did that, and 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 in Arizona and other places. I think the main difference for us is is that we utilize salt water because many of these areas are very pressed for freshwater resources. So it's basing the activities around the saltwater infrastructure where we try to use every bit of the fresh water that is in the salt water before we end up with salt as a commercial product. So it's salt water that really sets this apart. Mm. So what are the challenges that are unique to your project and how are you addressing them? Well, there are, there are a number of challenges because the Sahara Forest Project is, is all about going across borders, both between cultures, uh, between different professions, uh, and also between technologies. And it's finding these trade-offs of providing waste streams from one uh, technology as a resource to another technology, that is the really main challenge. And then it, it, it should be should be clear to everyone that, that trying to construct these kind of facilities in, in temperatures that can come up to 50 degrees uh, Celsius, that, that's a tough challenge. Yeah, so tell us more about how you're addressing them. So, for example, um, you mentioned earlier that you use salt water to create some of the solutions. So how do you bring that cross-border? How, how do you bring salt water in? Well, salt water is... is brought in by a traditional pipe. So we, we pump the salt water in from, uh, from the sea. And that, of course, puts some limitations to where you can put the Sahara Forest Project facility. Uh, you can go pretty far inland, but once you start to go really high above the water level, then it's costly to pump that salt water. But for many of these areas, you have relatively low-lying areas in a distance from the salt water, which you provide a pump and uh, some uh, saltwater pipeline, and you start from there. Mm. So uh, did you have to actually build the pipe cross borders um, through different countries? Or, uh, have you run into that challenge already? No. no. Uh, fortunate for us, this first facility uh, was realized together with two partners, two fertilizer companies called Yara International and Kafko. Uh, which is a Qatari-based company and where we have our facility. Uh, And they already used seawater uh, at some of their facilities. So we built uh, a connection to that uh, at their facility. So so for this first facility, we haven't built a long seawater pipeline. Mm, Great. And then, of course, I think the other thing that's really unique about your project is that the goal is always to be self-sustainable, self-sufficient in this closed loop, right? Um, Am I correct? And, And if so... How are you go about doing that? 
Yes, it, it, it's, it's really a key principle for us that we want to take what is a waste stream from one of these technologies and use that as a resource for another technology. And that's how we put this system together. We try to close all these loops so that there is no waste from the system. So you produce all these goods like electricity, like food in a system, but you also revegetate areas where there are very little vegetation from before. And what you actually do then is that you take CO2 from the atmosphere, you store it in your vegetation, and you have produced these goods in a system that actually has the potential to be carbon negative. It takes more CO2 from the atmosphere than what you are releasing. Ah, all right. And what about on the waterfront? Like, how do you make that self-sufficient? Uh, excuse me, could you please repeat that question? Because there are several components to your system, right? So one is mm. the vegetation, and, and you explain it really well in terms of how you make that sufficient, you know, in terms of CO2 um, emission. And mm. let's we're going to have to take a break pretty soon. But when we come back, love to hear more about, you know, on the water side and also, also the solar energy side, how do we make that also renewable or a self-sufficient model? All right. You're listening to Business Reinvention with Nancy Lin. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and talk some more when we come back. I also want to remind the audience that some of the podcasts from the program are now available for sale, and your contribution will help support the continued production of insightful discussion like the one we're having today. So go to businessreinvention.com to find out more. Thank you for your support, and we'll continue with the conversation after these messages. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. In today's marketplace, your ability to open up the way you think and adapt to change allows your business to stay ahead of curve and perform at a higher level. At Change Agent SF, we can provide you with the tools and coaching to become an effective leader to grow your business. Contact us today at 415-322-9073 or email Nancy Lynn at info at changeagentsf.com for more information. Transform your leadership and business with Change Agent SF. Leadership is a vital skill set in today's competitive global economy. Being a leader is not enough. To succeed, you must optimize your performance and know how to imbue others in your organization with leadership skills. Practical, actionable leadership insights are the focus of Leadership Development News, hosted each Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, by Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler on the Voice America Business Channel. Doctors Greenberg and Nadler, who coach global leaders on how to be most effective, will share their insights and contacts. The path to leadership excellence begins here. What does conscious leadership mean to you? It unites organizations instead of dividing them. By exploring commonly based business challenges, it guarantees an increase in your bottom line. Tune in to Minding Our Business, Creating a Spiritual Economy with your host, Nadine Rogers. Each week, we'll hear from business leaders and learn from their strategies. We'll talk about personal and organizational best practices that you can learn from, and we'll hear from you. Minding Our Business airs live Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Business. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. 
You're listening to Business Reinvention with Nancy Lynn. To join in on this week's discussion, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to Business Reinvention. So, Joachim, um, before the break, we just started to uh, get more details about your closed-loop system. And we were talking about how one of the things that really unique about your project is um, – that you're trying to build it on a sustainability um, a model. And you have four different solutions that you're focusing on right now. And you can explain to us um, how you, um, you know, address the C- CO2 emission problems. What about salt water and also solar energy um, side of the operation? Um, is there also a sustainability solution built to that as well? Yes, it is. Let, let, let us start by how the salt water travels through these uh, different technologies. So you start with a traditional saltwater uh, stream that enters into the greenhouses. There, salt water is poured over a cardboard with small holes in it. So when the hot desert air comes blowing through this salt water and these small holes, you, uh, the, the energy is taken out of the air and it becomes more humid so that inside the greenhouse it's more humid and much colder than outside. So that means that you have provided a cooling effect and humidification without using any other than renewable resources for that. Mm. So when you have done this for a couple of times, the salt water will increase in concentration. So it will be at perhaps 10 to 15% salt then it's not so efficient anymore. But then you can use that in the hedges outside where you don't need to provide as good as conditions as in the greenhouse, but you still provide that little bit of shade, that little bit of humidity. Uh, and that's often enough to c- cultivate a number of species also in desert environments. And then you take the salt water down to, let's say, 30%. And then you can make traditional salt uh, as a commercial product. And then you have the solar technology, which, of course, provides energy for for these different technologies. But the huge majority of this is renewable energy to be exported from the facility. Really interesting. Uh, So what's your most recent milestone in each of the countries you're in? You're in two countries now, right? Yes, I, I think uh, the most recent milestone was actually today because we have uh, just announced uh, the key results from operation for a year, after a year in, in Qatar. Uh, so that's been a, a proud moment for us. Excellent. What does the timeline look like for the next few years? I mean, what are the key milestones will be for you? How do you know it's to the point that you can scale up? Well, that, that, that's a question we get a lot. You know, there, <laughs> there, there, there is a lot of green technologies and they all make huge promises. We are a bit careful in doing that because we are going to do this step by step in the right direction. Um, that being said, this has gone extremely fast. So uh, we have an ambition that, that commercial facilities could be up and running in a couple of years. 
That's very exciting. Um, so let me be a devil advocate and then try to just get even further clarification because, you know, there are a lot of um, renewable energy going on. And, and uh, it was even reported a few years ago that Abu Dhabi um, had conducted uh, soil surveys to identify areas with underground water supply. And they also using algae to improve soil quality. Um, so why are those projects not enough that we need another project such as Sahara Forest Project? Well, uh, is it one thing that I'm, I'm sure of is that this will not be one silver bullet. There will be a multitude of different technologies that are going to address the challenges that you mentioned when we start to, to speak. Sahara Forest Project, that can be one of those uh, solutions, but we need so many more. What we can bring to the table is trying to show the potential for integration of technologies. And then there is the other side of that, and that, and that is, yes, there are a lot of plants that are presented, but it's not that much that's being built. Mm, it's interesting because one thing that's, uh, uh, I think, unique about your project, again, is the integration because you're actually utilizing a lot of technologies that are already available out there, right? So what's difficult about integrating these different systems in the desert? <laughs> Well, you, you have numbers of, of, of challenges, but of course, on the technological side, all these technologies have their very specific conditions where, when they are designed to work. And we want them to work together with another system that might have a bit different specifications. So getting, this, getting the solar guy to work with the greenhouse guy in making the best combination of those two technologies that's pretty new to both of them, but it's also a very inspiring work to be a part of. Mm, definitely. And one thing you mentioned uh, was um, the use of salt water. And, you know, of course, there has been concern about potential wa uh, water shortage worldwide for a while now. And so the use of salt water sounds like a great alternative. But is this going to cause another water crisis when we use up salt water? Can we ever use up salt water? Uh, well, if if we use up salt water, we 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 have done pretty uh, pretty dramatic things uh, compared to the fresh water we have. Uh, the salt water resources are are enormous, so 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 I wouldn't see an uh, immediate danger in 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 stressing salt water resources. What one should be careful with is, of course, that uh, there is enormous growth in the desalination industry, and putting brine back into the sea can have ecological consequences. So for us, it's also a key focus point to investigate and put a lot of resources in using as much water in the salt water as possible uh, instead of just using a little and pump it up uh, out again. Mm. And you mentioned that using salt water to create humidity, uh, is that how you can grow vegetable with less water and, and grow them year-round? Or is there uh, other um, solution behind that? Yes, yes. It's, it's really three important things with that greenhouse. It brings down the temperature, and that, that's quite a lot. It brings it down often with uh, 10 to 15 degrees. But it also provides humidity in the air. And that's also important because the plants get less stress. Uh, and then also we are able to condense at night some of this humidity in the air on the rooftop. So we get uh, fresh water for irrigation. And then we take the additional fresh water for irrigation that we need. 
in the desalination with uh, with concentrated solar power. What do you use with the the salt? I mean, at the end, I would assume you end up with lots of salt. Do you, do you sell them, or what do you use them for? Well, uh, we're we're not at that commercial facility yet. We, we are at the pilot stage. So so the important thing to produce there is is knowledge, not uh, a lot of produce. But yes, you, salt is uh, is used in a number of industries, and of course also uh, in in the food industry. So, so that is thought of as a commercial product from this process. Um, so you mentioned you have greenhouses and then you have hedges outside. So does that mean no vegetables or crops are actually grown in the sand itself? Is that correct? And, and would it be ever possible to grow it in the, in the sand in the desert? Y- yes, we, we have grown about 19 different species in the sand. So, so if you provide a little bit of nutrients, a little bit of water, and give them some shade, that's perfectly doable. We've been growing barley there, we've uh, rucola, but also a number of traditional desert species, and that's very interesting. That's a lot of exciting new plants that that hasn't really been looked into uh, before, but has exciting potential for fodder or for biofuel production and such. So what will be new business opportunity and green jobs that this will help create? I guess once you have vegetable, I guess the first thing I see is like markets, you know? So tell Mm. us more about that. Yes, this, of course, um, to to put it into perspective with with the results that we we presented today um, uh, from, from the pilot in Qatar, you know, Qatar is a country that imports uh, more than ninety percent of its own, of the food it consumes. If you if you build uh, about eight hectares of Sahara forest product greenhouses, you have covered uh, the whole uh, consumption of of cucumbers in Qatar. So this is opening up new markets uh, for us. But but it's also, as I said, it's important that we do this step by step. This is an environmental solution that, unlike many others, has the potential both for high-skilled and low-skilled work because it's both agriculture, it's energy, it's different technologies. So, so bringing opportunities for local value creation is is a big part of our motivation. And so if we're able to grow crops and we are able to create new jobs, I would imagine more people will be moving there. Um, will you be able to generate enough energy and water to meet the needs and stay self-sufficient? Well, uh, for, for for the people that would be uh, working at this facility, it would be no problem at all, of course, to, to provide the necessary energy and, and food. The, the, the main point of the facility is to produce much more than that that we export. Yeah, so I guess what I was referring to is that I could potentially see this becoming another Phoenix, Arizona, you know, because once mm. you have vegetation, there will be markets, there will be people, you know, needed for the service industry, you know, transportation and all things that eventually it could create an entire new city in the desert itself, right? And so uh, um, that's why I'm curious, you know, would the energy you produce be enough and will you be able to stay sustainable um, in a closed-loop system? Uh, it's, it's a very good, uh, very good question. Uh, that's, of course, uh, so quite some time ahead if, if we should manage that. Um, the, the energy component of this is, is renewable, and that, that would also stay renewable, of course. And then you have the greenhouses. And, and, and why that is 
a much more preferable alternative than, than other greenhouse production is, of course, that you don't stress the freshwater resources, which are vital in these areas, and that you uh, need much less water, and also that it's powered by renewable energy. Nothing of that would change if you go to a large scale. You're listening to Business Reinvention with Nancy Lin. For more information about business innovation, follow me on Twitter at BizReinvention or go to BizReinvention.com. We're going to take a quick break and talk some more when we come back. We'll be back in two minutes. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. In today's marketplace, your ability to open up the way you think and adapt to change allows your business to stay ahead of curve and perform at a higher level. At Change Agent SF, we can provide you with the tools and coaching to become an effective leader to grow your business. Contact us today at 415-322-9073 or email nancylin at info at changeagentsf.com for more information. Transform your leadership and business with Change Agent SF. Does your business, like many, face obstacles to becoming successful? Would you love to have an open forum of entrepreneurial ideas and best practices brought to you each week? Tune in for the second stage with hosts Brendan Anderson and Jeffrey Cadlick. We'll spotlight entrepreneurs and growing companies that are creating a vibrant economic base, as well as addressing some of the obstacles that could be standing in the way of your success. Listen Mondays at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Tune in for What About Wealth every week to learn the vital answers to your questions about creating wealth, investing it, donating it, and protecting it. Your hosts are Rich Bloomfield and Rick Durfee, who explain the principles that govern wealth in terms you can understand. Building and preserving positive wealth requires correct action, but few people know how wealth really works. Listen every Tuesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel and find the answers you need about wealth. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Business Reinvention with Nancy Lynn. To join in on this week's discussion, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to Business Reinvention. Listening to Business Reinvention, and we're talking about the Sahara Forest Project. Um, Yoking, so we're talking about potentially scaling this up and what it will look like. Um, so tell us what you have accomplished so far and what yes. your biggest accomplishments. Yeah. Let, it, let, let me take you through some of the key results that, that, that we have achieved after the, the first year of operation now. So, so the saltwater crude greenhouse has proven to be highly productive. Uh, the yields are competitive with, with those in commercial operations in, in Europe, and current yields indicate that three crops a year would produce uh, at least 75 kilos per, per square meter. Um, and this is, of course, a pilot. So in a commercial setup, you can uh, expect even higher yields than that. But, but that is still pretty good. Uh, and the seawater cooling system that supports this 
production of, of high quality vegetable is throughout the whole Qatari summer. And that is also quite unusual. Wow. And and the and the freshwater usage is is less than half of what it is uh, by comparable uh, greenhouses in the region. So that's a greenhouses. Uh, it's also the first concentrate solar power facility built in Qatar. And it's uh, been uh, functioning as it should, delivering a lot of uh, energy, which we have used uh, to desalinate water, so producing up to 10,000 cubic meters of water a day uh, with, with pure uh, renewable energy. The external evaporative hedges, they've been also functioning as desired, and the cooling uh, at the hottest day has been up to uh, 10 degrees cooler uh, for the crops outside. And you have had vegetable and, and grain crops that have grown outside of this desert environment throughout the year. And, and as I mentioned, it's also been about 19 different desert species that we have cultivated. And, and quite a lot of these desert species has exciting potentials that we are going to investigate further. And uh, then we also cultivated algae in this very hot environment. And that's been exciting. It's, it's, it's uh, only only uh, algae cultivation system of its kind in the region and, and, and starting to growing algae in the desert. That's, that's, uh, that's fascinating. Uh, explain to us what, why you're growing algae and what do you use it for? Well, algae is, a, is, a, is one of my favorite uh, organisms. It's, it's a large <laughs> group of, of very small, uh, small organisms, but they are extremely good at taking uh, CO2 from the atmosphere and store it into biomass. And as you know, a lot of, of uh, the oil that we consume today, that's, that's actually old algae. About 50% of the oxygen in the air that we breathe, that's made from algae. But these algae, if you grow them right, some species can have uh, a lot of oil in them. And that is an exciting new source for biofuel in the future. Now, this is still in its infancy. It's, it's no big commercial production of oil from algae today. It's, it's a lot of other products that's made from algae. But the holy grail would, of course, be if you could make a lot of bioenergy from algae production. Now, in a desert, you have some exciting potential because a desert has a rather low cost of land and you have enormous amount of sunlight. At the other uh, other side of it, it's is that it's of course also very very hot, so so a lot of water could evaporate. So you need to design a kind of a, a special system, and you need to find algae that both thrive with with quite hot conditions and and also quite salty conditions. So that's been quite groundbreaking work trying to do this uh, in the desert in Qatar. Is it your vision to actually have um, how should we say refinery or um, you know? Uh, operation to process uh, algae into biofuel, or are you planning on selling algae to energy companies? You know, the, the, there are so many companies around the world that, that focus on production of, of um, energy from algae. Uh, our primary task is to provide an opportunity to grow these kind of algae uh, in new environments, in new opportunities for the algae business. I don't think Sarah Forest Project will be the company that, that puts most of the efforts in trying to reach that holy grail of, of uh, algae oil. Uh, our business is more this integrated concept where we try to address food security, water security, and energy security in one facility. 
But but that's also what's great about the Sireforce project. It is possible to add on a number of technologies around this saltwater infrastructure, and algae is absolutely a fascinating and exciting technology to have alongside with all the core technologies. Mm. How do you grow algae? I mean, how, I mean, what do you feed them? Does it just grow on its own if you provide a good environment? Algae, they, they can grow pretty much any, uh, anywhere. But if you want to grow them really fast, they, they need some nutrients, of course, and they need CO2. If you supply them with a, with a lot of CO2, that can increase the growth rate of, of up to five times for, for a number of algae species. But, but they, are, they are easy to grow. The, 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 the challenge is to grow them fast and cost-efficiently. Um, so this makes a lot of sense now because this also helps you reduce the CO2 emission. And again, going back to the closed-loop um, 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 concept that you mentioned, um, and it makes so much sense. Um, and also I wanted to kind of provide a little bit of context for the um, – audience for the achievement you you um, have accomplished so far because you really started this project a, a year or two ago um, tell us about that and how big is the population of Qatar well this our first project was uh, is older than that but it's true that we've been in Qatar together with the with the international and, and Kafka which are two of the biggest fertilizer companies in the world we've been together with them for, for about two and a half years so for the first year, we, we did a large study. We had about 60 different scientists and experts from 12 different countries uh, trying to assess if this could be done in Qatar. And uh, towards, uh, towards the end of, of 2011, they start to look very good. So uh, we sat down with, with, the, uh, with the management in Aran Kafka and said, we are going to do this and we're going to do it really, really fast. So uh, was in February 2012, together with the Norwegian and Qatari Prime Minister, we announced that we are going to have this up and running uh, before December. So that was pretty intense. Uh, and it's also very impressive that you're able to reduce the freshwater consumption in such a short time. Um, so imagine what you, you can do elsewhere and with popular um, with countries where population is bigger. Um, so what does it look like if you ever get to the point to scale it up? Well, if, if we're going to, to really think about a, a vision, a big vision of, of let's say, let's assume 4,000 hectares of Sahara Forest Project facilities, then you would have about... Uh, 1,500 of those would be areas for revegetation. Um, let's say 500 hectares for fodder. You would have uh, solar energy in about 640 hectares. Uh, and from this, you uh, would have uh, about 170,000 tons of cucumbers or tomatoes a year. Um, you would have 300 gigawatt hours of energy from the, from the solar uh, the solar technologies, and you would have, uh, let's say, 30,000 tons of fodder each year. And all of this would provide, be provided in a system where this revegetation would take out about 50,000 tons of CO2 from the atmosphere. That's really incredible, um, not to mention that you'll be exporting um, energy um, as well. Um, yes, yeah, very impressive. Um, so I'm curious, this all sounds great, and I'm just curious, because you're going to be growing 
veggies um, or you are already growing vegetables um, so and also um, new species um, so this I guess will bring in new insects and, and maybe other um, species and so what does that mean for the environment you know because when we think of desert we think there's nothing there but there are actually a lot of existing species there already right so what will be the impact on the environment over there that, that, that's a very good uh, very good topic and 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 of course, also desert ecosystems. There is a number of them. There, it's not one ecosystem in all deserts. It's so. So it's been a key focus for us, uh, as I mentioned earlier, that we've taken about nineteen plants from the local environment and tried to cultivate them. We have taken traditional Qatari plants and seen what their potential can be. And then you have plants that <coughs> are not so typical for for a desert environment, such as rucola or or melons or, or, or barley, it, it's still grown some places, but, but, but it doesn't attract insects or animals that isn't in the ecosystem already. But you could envision that if you are not careful in what kind of plants you select to grow outside, that that could be a potential threat to the ecosystem. So that's, of course, something we are very aware of. So will it ever be so successful to the point that it will start to threaten nomads' lifestyle? I, I, I have a hard time imagining it would. At the, at the current state, um, the, the, the desertification in the world is happening at about uh, 30 times faster than any time before in human history. Wow. So, 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 so it's not really... It, it's just stopping that process would be tremendous. Uh, revegetating all of the world's deserts, is, it's not our target. It's, it's really to provide uh, a starting point for, for sustainable growth in desert environments. And we're going to be very sure that, that, that our concept, which is founded on that ecological thinking, is well integrated into both the local environment, but also the local people that work there, because that's... That, we will never be successful if we do as a number of other technologies has done in the past, trying to impose ourselves on the ground. We need to work with the people that live there and provide the services that they need. Very well said. Well, let's take another break. Um, you're listening to Business Reinvention with Nancy Lin. For more information about the show, please go to bizreinvention.com. We'll be back after these messages. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. In today's marketplace, your ability to open up the way you think and adapt to change allows your business to stay ahead of curve and perform at a higher level. At Change Agent SF, we can provide you with the tools and coaching to become an effective leader to grow your business. Contact us today at 415-322-9073 or email Nancy Lynn at info at changeagentsf.com for more information. Transform your leadership and business with Change Agent SF. 
Do you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern, for the Money Answers Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. How do you feel about the future? Tune in each week for Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. You can be a great leader by learning from the inspiring stories of amazing visionaries who are shaping our future. Everyone deserves to create their own vision and Kate and her guests will share the tools that you need to make it happen. Make a weekly visit to the Voice America Business Channel for Visionary Leader, Extraordinary Life, every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. Be inspired. Become inspiring. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Business Reinvention with Nancy Lynn. To join in on this week's discussion, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to Business Reinvention. You're listening to Business Reinvention with Nancy Lynn, and we're talking about the Sahara Forest Project. So, Yogame, so far, it just sounds so impressive what you have accomplished in a very challenging environment. Um, what is one or two things or are two things that maybe you learned um, about, you know, or, or learned from this project that you didn't know was possible before um, and, and not so much from the um, science side, but just from the whole experience of what humans can accomplish? Well, um, it, it's it's been so much. If somebody told me uh, five years ago that 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 uh, we would be uh, producing cucumbers in a desert, I, I'm not sure I would have believed them. Um, so, so I think one of the most interesting experiences has been this really diverse partnership. So we have these big industrial companies with tremendous amount of knowledge. We have environmental groups. We have very, very esteemed architects and engineers that has also done great things in the past. Uh, and you have scientists, you have business people that really go into this uh, and go down to Qatar. Uh, we have this head grower. Uh, his name is Steve. He, he is uh, he's president of the British Cucumber Association. He's a fantastic guy with, with cucumbers. He's the best grower you can have. He's been in the business for a long time. And he gets so excited that he wants to move, go to Qatar, live there, and grow cucumbers in Sahara Forest products. Wow. I mean, a better experience than that is. It's difficult to match. Well, it sounds like you're working with a lot of people from different countries. And also, like you mentioned earlier, you're leading a team with uh, scientists and people with uh, very different backgrounds. What are some of the leadership lessons that you have from this particular project? Well, uh, I think, yeah, be very flexible. 
is, is the first one. Things change so quickly. Uh, and a little humility, uh, being humble and, and, and knowing that uh, you're going to learn a lot every day you're doing this. It's important. And, and, and I'm fortunate enough to, to be really working with people that I truly admire. So, so, so being open and taking time to learn from their insights every day, that, that's, that's really important to the success of the project. So what advice do you have to people who are working on projects that others did not think was possible? Um, what would you say to help them overcome the challenges they have to face? I think you, you, you always hear, and especially from business leaders, these fantastic stories about how things happen so fast. You were in a garage and suddenly you were successful. I think it actually is a lot of hard work. It is only doable if you do it you're going to do it quickly but you need to do it step by step and you're not going to over promise it's much better to be able to tell your success when you actually achieved it mm, definitely well really great advice and uh, we also want to wish you luck and wanted to hear more about the progress from the sahara forest project going forward thank you so much for your time thank you so much for having me I also want to thank the audience for tuning in today. Please follow me on Twitter at BizReInvention for up-to-date innovation news or visit BizReInvention.com for more information about our show. We'll be back next week and I hope you can join us again. Take care and have a wonderful week. We hope that you've enjoyed Business Reinvention with Nancy Lynn. Please join us for another edition of our groundbreaking program next Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We hope you'll find the inspiration for change over the coming week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 